we're in Mark's Gospel on uh, Sunday mornings, doing a series of sermons we've called Good News in a Bad News World. You don't need me to tell you uh, that we live in a world where there is plenty of a bad news. But God's Word tells us that there is also a good news, that there is salvation to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're in the first half of Mark's Gospel and chapter 4 uh, this morning, the passage that we've just uh, read together, taking the whole passage as our uh, text, Mark chapter 4, uh, from verse 1 uh, to verse 20, uh, where we have what we know familiarly as the uh, parable of the sower, one of the uh, famous stories that Jesus told, this one about a sower who uh, went out uh, to sow. And the passage before us divides really into two halves. In the first half of the passage, Jesus uh, tells uh, the parable. And then in the second half of the parable, he explains it for us. So we're not left scratching our heads trying to work out uh, what the point of the parable is. Not only does he tell us the parable, but he also explains it uh, to us. Let's just get ourselves into the scene of what's going on here in uh, the first half of uh, Mark 4. The opening two verses of the chapter very much set the scene uh, for us. Uh, Jesus is uh, teaching and uh, he is doing so in uh, parables. Jesus is teaching, verse 1, and again he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So perhaps you can picture the scene in your mind's eye. Jesus is sitting in a boat on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd are gathered on the shore and are listening to his teaching. So Jesus is teaching, and the people are being taught. They are receiving his uh, teaching. And that's a reminder of what happens every time the gospel is preached. Jesus is teaching. Yes, a preacher is in the pulpit, but, but ignore him. Insofar as the scriptures are being proclaimed faithfully, it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself who is teaching. And as we are gathered, uh, we are being taught and how important it is that we receive his Teaching. So Jesus is teaching and he's doing so using uh, parables. Uh, verse 2, then he taught them many things by parables. Parables often uh, described as earthly stories with heavenly meanings. They're stories Jesus told which at one and the same time are ever so simple and yet ever so Profound. They are ever so simple. They are everyday stories. They are not hard to understand on a, on a basic level. We can relate to them very easily. But at the same time, they are profound in the sense that through these simple everyday stories, the Lord Jesus is making profound points about a spiritual reality. In his parables, he is teaching us both about our sin and about his salvation. That our sin is great, but that his salvation is greater, that he is more than a match 
for our sin. And that he calls us to turn to him in repentance and faith. To turn from our sin in repentance. Sorry for all that we have done that we should not have done. And to turn to him in faith. Trusting in him. His perfect life. His sacrificial death in our place and for our sin. His resurrection. Trusting in all that Christ is. And all that he has done on our behalf. That we might be saved from our sins. Saved for time. And saved for eternity. The parable of the sower in our passage this morning is one of Jesus' best-known parables. He introduces it for us in verse 3 when he says, A sower went out to sow. And there are some key ingredients to this parable, this story that Jesus told. There is a sower and he has a seed. And as he sows that seed, it finds its way into various kinds of soil. The sower is representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and of all who sow in his name, all who preach his gospel, all who proclaim the good news about him. The seed is the word, it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the good news of salvation. That God has made a way for sinners like us to come to him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection, answering our need. And the soils, plural, you notice one sower, ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ, and one seed, only one gospel, only one message of salvation. But the soils, plural, four kinds delineated by the Lord Jesus in this story, represent all who hear the gospel and our various responses to it so that's me and that's you as we hear the gospel this morning we may respond to the gospel in a in a number of different ways people don't all respond to the gospel exactly the same way they never have and god's word tells us so long as this old world endures they never will but different people respond to the good news of jesus christ in various different ways. Jesus himself gives the key to the interpretation of this parable in verse 9 of our chapter. We read verse 9, and he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This parable is all about hearing and responding to God's word. How we hear and how we respond to the message of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm calling the message from God's word this morning. How will you respond to the best news you'll ever hear? Because truly the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the best news you'll ever hear. We've said we live in a bad news world. You don't need me to tell you that. But there is good news. There is good news. All sorts of good news mixed in among the bad news. But the best news is this. That there is one who is Jesus Christ. Who is the son of God. And the saviour of the world. And in whom we can find salvation for now and forever. And that truly is the best news you will ever hear. So how we respond to that good news is 
of tremendous import and significance, is it not? So I'm asking you this morning, how will you respond to the best news you'll ever hear? Three things. Number one, some people just aren't interested. That's true. Some people hear the good news of Jesus Christ, but they just aren't interested. And they are illustrated for us by Jesus in his parable by the wayside ground. We read of it in verse 4. And it happened as he sowed, as the sower sowed his seed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it up. The seed, it it fell fell on the wayside ground and And it wasn't there long enough to to take root or to spring up or to, to bear fruit. Along came the birds and the seed was snatched away before you could say whatever you want to say. And again, we don't have to guess what Jesus is talking about here because he gives us his own explanation. Later in the passage, verse 15, and these are the ones by the wayside. Where the word is sown. Who are they? What do they represent? Well, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. For those whose hearts are like the the wayside ground, Satan is like the birds. He comes, he snatches away the seed. It's as if the good news of salvation, you hear it, but... It goes in one ear and straight out of the other. No serious thought is given to it. You carry on as if you had never heard it. And yet how tragic that is. Because once you have heard the gospel, you have heard the gospel. And you can't unhear the gospel and you will never be able to say that you haven't heard the gospel and you will to all eternity be accountable for what you did with the gospel that you heard and yet so how tragic that you could hear this best news you could ever hear and yet it go in one ear out the other you give it no serious thought you carry on as if you had never heard it Yet on the day of judgment when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be able to deny that you heard this message of salvation. And you will have to confess that you ignored it, that you never took it seriously, that you didn't give it the time of day. How tragic. Some people just aren't interested I'm asking you the question this morning, how will you respond to the best news you'll ever hear? We've said, number one, some people just aren't interested. Number two, some people are interested, but not interested enough. That's true as well. Some people are interested, but not interested enough. And they're illustrated for us by Jesus in his parable in terms of two kinds of ground. 
You see, perhaps this morning you thought, well, there are four kinds of soil. So uh, for once in the year, we're not going to get a three-point sermon. Well, too fast. Uh, Because these middle two, they, they really belong together. The stony ground and the thorny ground. We have them in the parable in verses 5, 6, and 7. The stony ground, verses 5 and 6. Some fell on stony ground, Jesus says, where there was not much earth. So it sprang up immediately, but there was no depth, meaning that it was scorched by the sun, and before long it just withered away. So it was hopeful. There seemed to be signs of life, but it didn't last. The thorny ground. Verse 7. Some seed fell among thorns. But the thorns grew up. And the plant was choked. And so it bore no fruit. What's Jesus talking about? Who's Jesus talking about when he talks about the stony ground and the thorny ground in his parable? Well, again, we don't have to guess. He tells us in the explanation that he gives to us. Verses 16 to 19. He explains the thorny ground in 16 and uh, 17. The, the stony ground there. They're like those who immediately receive the word with gladness. They hear the good news and their immediate response is, is a positive one. But they have no root in themselves. In other words, the gospel message doesn't really take root in their hearts. And so we're told they only endure for a time. And when tribulation or persecution or difficulties of one kind or another come along, well, then they just go back to living the way they lived before. And the thorny ground, the next two verses, 18 and 19. Now these are the ones sown among thorns, says Jesus. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. We have in that 19th verse what we might call an unholy trinity. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. These things demand our time and attention. These things distract us and pull us away from taking the gospel and taking salvation and taking the Christian life seriously. And they choke the plant. And we go back to living the way we lived before. So those represented by the stony ground and those represented by the the thorny ground... They're they're different. Jesus is talking about different kinds of people with different kinds of issues here. But though they're different, yet they're similar. Because they all come under this second heading I've given you of people who are interested, but not interested enough. In other words, their immediate response to the good news of Jesus Christ is not just to ignore it or to dismiss it or to have no time or no use for it. No, they're they're open to it. They 
They give it the time of day. They may even find something compellingly attractive about the good news of Jesus Christ and the message of salvation by the cross and the empty tomb. But when they begin to realize that there's a cost attached to saving faith in Jesus Christ, when they begin to realize that there's a cost attached to becoming a Christian and to living as a follower of Jesus Christ, then they're not so sure. You notice how we see in the stony ground and the thorny ground, there's a sense in which these people, they either, they don't want the negatives that come with being a Christian and they want the positives that come with not being a Christian. The negatives that come with being a Christian, tribulation, persecution, and so on. Now we know that there are trials and so on that we all experience in, the li- in this life, in this world, whether we are Christians or not. But if you become a Christian, then there, there will be tribulations, there will be persecutions of one kind or another. It won't always be easy, it won't just be a walk in the park. Sometimes being a Christian will be difficult, it will be hard. And often people say, well, I'll have the gospel, I'll have Jesus as my saviour, I'll, I'll, I want to be a Christian, but, but I don't want that negative stuff. Well, for some it's not so much that they don't want the negatives that come with being a Christian, but they, they don't want to let go of the positives as they see them of, of life in this world. Riches, desires for other things. Now, the Lord gives us many things in this life. Non-Christians receive many good things from God in this life. That's how good he is. He blesses us even though we don't want him. And as Christians too, we receive many good things from God in this life. There's a scripture that says he has given to us all things richly to enjoy. But for the Christian, he's to be our number one. He's our greatest treasure He's the one we desire above everyone and everything else. And yet sometimes people, they want other people or they want other things more than they want him. And so they drift away and they prove never to have truly trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ at all. These are the kind of people represented by the stony ground, the thorny ground. They're interested. It's not that they have no interest in the gospel. But they're not interested enough. They would have Jesus Christ, they would have Christianity if they could just kind of bolt it on to the life they already have. But they don't want a new heart. They don't want to change life. They don't want to have to let go of everything else in order to take hold of Jesus Christ. Some people are interested but not interested enough. I'm asking you the question this morning, how will you respond to the best news that you'll ever hear? We've seen, number one, some people just aren't interested. Number two, some people are interested, but not interested enough. Now for number three. We need a number three, don't we, after points number one and number two. Now for number three. Some people are more than just interested. Some people are more than just interested. And they are illustrated for us by Jesus in his 
parable here by the good ground. He speaks of them in verse 8. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundred. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? This eighth verse, yielding a crop, increasing, producing, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, hundredfold. It's a picture of life and health and growth and development and fruitfulness. And who does this good ground represent? What kind of people? Well, last verse of our passage, verse 20, Jesus says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. They hear the word. But all the other kinds of people in this parable heard the word. They accept it. In other words, they believe it. Well, there were others in the parable who for a time at least uh, appeared to believe it. But they hear the word, they accept it, and they bear fruit. In other words, there is a lasting change in their hearts and uh, in their lives. There is a change on the inside, which leads then to a change on the outside. They're changed on the inside. Denying what once they affirmed, they affirm what once they denied. They deny what once they affirmed, that they were good enough as, as they were. They affirm what once they denied, that they need the Lord Jesus Christ and his Calvary sacrifice and his precious blood to wash away their sin. And more than that, they hate what once they loved and they love what once they hated. They hate what once they loved, their sin and the sinful pleasures of this world. And they love what once they hated. They love the God who made them, the God to whom they owe their very next breath, the God who offers them salvation in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Change on the inside, which leads then, can lead, must lead to, to change on the outside. No longer living for yourself and for your gratification, but instead living for God and for his glory. Because this is what the Christian life is all about, to love Jesus and to grow in likeness to him. That's what Jesus is talking about, really, in verse 20, when he says, these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. These are those who come to love the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and day by day are increasingly conformed to his image and cast into his likeness. These people, you see, are more than just interested. To them, the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, he becomes everything. He becomes our all in all. 
Time is ebbing away. We must come towards a close. As we do so, I just want to highlight some striking verses in the middle of our passage. Verses 10, 11, and 12, if you have a Bible that breaks uh, the passages into chunks and gives them titles, of course the titles are not inspired, they're not given by God, they're inserted by men, so to a degree we can take them or leave them. But uh, these verses are often headed something like the purpose of parables. Uh, And in this section, Jesus quotes Isaiah the prophet in verse 12. Talking about parables, he says that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. What's Isaiah on about there, and and what's Jesus doing, quoting these words from Isaiah Uh, in the middle of this passage as he moves from telling this parable of the sower to giving his own explanation of it. Well, you notice he talks about people seeing and yet being blind. He talks about people hearing and yet being deaf. You see, the Lord tells his parables that we might understand something more of our sin and of his salvation, that we might turn from our sin in repentance, that we might turn to him in faith. And yet, if we don't do that, then these parables, instead of giving us life, they they would condemn us because they are so simple that there's nobody in this building this morning that could say that you can't understand the basic story that Jesus is telling about a sower and his seed and the different soils. And yet, you see, it's possible for us to understand the parable and yet to miss the whole point. So if you're not yet a Christian this morning, would you not ask the Lord Jesus Christ, say, Lord, open my eyes. I want to see. Please, Open my eyes. Lord, open my ears. I want to hear. Please open my ears. Lord, please make my heart like that good ground. That I wouldn't be one who hears the gospel and goes out the door as if I'd never been here. Or that I wouldn't be one who hears the gospel and shows some interest for a time but doesn't go the distance. But Lord, you'd make me a real Christian. That you'd help me truly to repent and genuinely to believe. That you'd help me to love you today. And to love you forever.